You're listening to the Agony Column News Report featuring interviews, phone interviews, reports from live book events and festivals, and conversations with readers. You can find additional news, interviews, book reviews, and more five days a week at the Agony Column website at trashotroncom agony. Thomas Frank is the author of The Wrecking Crew, What's the Matter with Kansas, and One Market Under God. His new book is Pity the Billionaire. He's a essayist for Harper's, and his new essay for Harper's is Semper Infidelis. Thank you for joining me, Thomas. You got it, Rick. Thomas, one of the things I love about your work is that um, you are a keen scholar of the continuing perversity of the English language and the ways in which it can be twisted and inverted and inverted again so that a word that originally had one meaning doubles back on itself and comes around and bites its own tail. <laughs> yes, that is, uh, that's right. And the, and the word that you're, that you're talking about uh, is infidel. It's in this month's Harper's Magazine. And uh, this is a word that um, you know we hear a lot about it these days uh, in the the war on terrorism. But the the, the you know the, the way I encountered it was was totally strange. It wasn't coming from you know uh, a terrorist or a jihadi or, or a Taliban guy or something like that. I was at a Tea Party rally and here was a guy wearing a T-shirt. Or at least this is what I, how I remember it. A guy wearing a T-shirt that said "Farm Team Infidel." And it had a picture of a man. It had, it had you know, a, a man uh, aiming a pistol, and it was in like the uh, Major League Baseball, you know, tricolor pattern. And I was completely puzzled. <laughs> I had no idea what this could mean. Major League infidel, or I mean, yeah, farm team infidel. That's what it was. Farm team infidel. What on earth could that could that possibly mean? And I went home and. And after, you know, I forgot about it. And some months later, somebody remi- reminded me about this, and I started looking into it. And it turns out there's this whole subculture of people wearing products emblazoned with the word infidel on them. And, I mean, therein begins our tale. Well, one of the things that's so interesting is how inverted this began, because originally, back in the original Crusades, um, the uh, Christians referred to the Muslims and anybody else they didn't particularly like as infidels. And, that's right. Uh, as you uh, reported, it's, it's, it used to be a, a common word in English, mm-hmm. but now, but it wasn't something that you would ever boast about being. You would never wear a T-shirt. Well, I mean, a hundred, two hundred years ago, that said infidel, but not just because you would never wear a T-shirt that said anything. You would just, you would never do that. You would never refer to yourself as an infidel. It was one of the uh, one of the gravest insults you could throw around. It's in the King James Bible. This is what they called Tom Paine. This is what they called Tom Jefferson when they really, you know, wanted to hurt Jefferson. They called Lincoln an infidel. Uh, Lincoln went to great lengths to deny it. And then the uh, and by the way, and there's a, a scholar of of religion who has who has studied, of course, has done the whole history of the word infidel in the English language, and. Um, then somewhere along the line, the word really lost its power, and it sort of became the opposite. Uh, to you had you had H. L. Mencken uh, taunting 
the fundamentalists of Tennessee and saying that they referred to uh, what was his name Scopes, you know, the, the guy at the at the heart of the Scopes trial. The Scope, he had been teaching evolution mm. in a Tennessee school, and he was tried, uh, you know, with with violating Tennessee law. And uh, Mencken told his laughing, you know. Uh, uh, followers, you know, his his readers who all love to laugh at the expense of the, of the you know, the the, the Hicks uh, in Tennessee, that the, that these the fundamentalists in Tennessee referred to Scopes as an infidel, and so the word had already started to change by then, until you get down to the present where it has completely dropped out of the English language, and we hear that word and it sounds foreign to us. It's something that only a foreigner would utter. Um, it's you know it's like in it's in um uh, what is that movie uh, Team America World Police right where the the terrorists are are refer to Westerners as infidels right or or uh, Die Hard I think uh, Alan Rickman probably uh, sneers that in his impeccable British accent a few times yeah that that uh, somebody's an infidel and yeah. it's it's so it's it's supposed to be the way that the people on the other side of the war on terror refer to us infidels. So then, of course, you know, it, it, the law of the second remove or the law of the inversion or something like that, we, we proudly take that word and apply it to ourselves and put it on T-shirts and that sort of thing that we are, and we make it like an act of defiance, like we are defying these guys who want to do, uh, you know, do their jihadi, do their, do their jihad or their terrorism or whatever. We're defying them. And, and this is where it just starts to get really, really strange to me. Because you're defying somebody that's thousands of miles across the ocean, you know, whatever it is, five thousand miles away, you know, they 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 pose no immediate threat to us. Uh, you know, it's it, how how you know how brave is that to declare that you're the infidel to someone else's religion? You know, when you're not in Saudi Arabia or uh, Iran or something like that. It's certainly no, uh, not like. Uh, not as brave as when the um, rebels called themselves Yankees and took on. I mean, you know that that they took that on that that insult. It's a it's a similar deal. But there's at, a lot, there's lots of examples of that of of people of Amer- Americans especially that we take the other side's insult for us and we we embrace it. Uh, hell, I do that myself all the time. You know, um, what would they? I'm always boasting about how the, the people here in D.C. call say that I'm outside the consensus. And somebody said, Tom, you use that phrase so often, you ought to you know, entitle your memoirs outside the consensus, because <laughs> that's totally who I am. Uh, but th- there's, there, is some, um, there, is, there is some, there's a grain of truth to all of this, this silliness. I mean, it's mm-hmm. not just ab- absurd. Uh, when you look into it, uh, it turns out that there, was, um, there, there, there are soldiers, American soldiers over in Afghanistan, and I imagine in Iraq as well, who embraced this term and would uh, wear the the infidel gear, or more more accurately, would tattoo themselves with the word infidel. Um, and in there, in, in specifically, there's a there's a, a a single example that's kind of famous in a book by um, Sebastian Junger and uh, what was his name, the photographer who died. Heatherington, Heatherington was his name. Yeah. In fact, the book is called Infidel, and mm-hmm. it's it's a photo essay about uh, American soldiers in Afghanistan. It's actually really excellent. Uh, I, I read it. I read Junger's book about the same thing. It was, it was pretty good. Uh, and these guys would be listening to the, the Taliban talking about them on the radio. I guess the Taliban 
hasn't figured out to use code or something. <laughs> I don't know. But they always referred to the Americans as the infidel. And so these guys embraced it and, and tattooed it on themselves. Okay, fine. They also tattooed a lot of other things on themselves. Uh, as you go through the pages of this book, these guys were very creative, you know, and they had a lot of spare time, and they wrote a lot of really funny things on themselves and on the, the walls of their uh, compound, right? But infidel is the one that has really caught on. Now, I, I, I found out about this example. This is the example that everybody knows about. Uh, but I wondered, is it common for soldiers in Iraq and Afghanistan to wear um, actual T-shirts that say infidel? And by the way, a lot of the T-shirts that you can buy here in, in America say it in Arabic as well. They have the, they have the, really? you know, the Arabic translation, yeah, so that it can be really in your face. Mm-hmm. And... Um, uh, I call the number of people who've had uh, experience in those countries, um, you know, who are either working over there directly for the government or as contractors or as journalists. And they, every single one of them just expressed, you know, complete incredulity. They're like, no way. I mean, the, the idea of doing that is, is, you know, that's so, it's such a bad idea. It's so ridiculous, you know, to, uh, to just put people's, you know, to, because it's, it's to taunt the people in the country that you're occupying or rebuilding or whatever, that you are, you know, that, that you are an affront to their religion, that you are, you know, you're not part of their religion and you, and you don't give a hoot about it, is obviously a really bad PR move. I don't know if you follow this, but uh, it, it, it would be, you know, if you were, if someone was, some some army was occupying America and they, and they, you know, they were constantly, uh, you know, flouting the symbols, or, you know, flouting the symbols of Christianity in some really uh, aggressive way. Or, it, it or would wearing not, your Al-Qaeda t-shirt to uh, DC yeah, rally. That's right. It wouldn't really, um, it wouldn't go over well. No. It's not how you would how you would go about you know convincing these people that you have their best interests at heart you know <laughs> so it, so the people that I called who spent a lot of time in those countries said you know obviously no that that almost never occurs uh, you know people had seen the shirts at like um, you can get it at the people get them at the airport on their way home you know mm-hmm. and stuff like that it's kind of a memento but no it would be really unusual for people to wear them uh, in those countries. But here, here in America, there's this, there's this, uh, and this, this weirdly, you know, it happens mainly on the political right. Although there's, of course, lots of other people who just think it's cool. People believe, by and large, that that that's, you know, that that infidel is synonymous for uh, GI. So, it, in fact, that's you know, that's what a lot of people call our soldiers over there now. They aren't GIs at all. They're infidels. Those are our infidels over there fighting for us. It's just completely upside down. Uh, and the reason, you know what makes it really upside down, Rick, and then I'll stop talking, is that when all of this started in 2001, you remember that uh, President Bush, his immediate um, instinct was to call the you know, then beginning war on terrorism. He wanted to call it a crusade, and he did call it a crusade at the very beginning because that's, that's what came to mind, I guess. And his advisors and everybody else said, ooh, that's a bad, bad idea. George Bush, you don't want to go there, you know. Uh, that's, uh, you know, that's the sort of symbol of extreme religious intolerance. And, you know, if we're going to try to get the Muslim world on our side in the war on terrorism, you can't very well, uh, you know, say that we're launching a new a crusade or something like that. So he's, he, he backed off. He didn't use that term anymore. And here we are 10 years later, and we've embraced the opposite term. 
we've sort of somehow imagined that they're on a crusade against us <laughs> and that we are the infidels standing up to the crusaders, which is them. Well, we we always, as you observe, we always like to be the rebels, and this is also kind of a synonym for <clears throat> kind of rebellion, except yeah, for rebellion even, against uh, people. Rick, who... it's, even, it's the title of a Bob Dylan album. <laughs> <laughs> and not one of his better ones, as you observe. <laughs> no, it's pretty bad. I, I actually bought it and listened to it for this for this uh, for for this month's Harper's piece, thinking I would you know come up with something really good, but no, that was that's pretty bad. <laughs> now, uh, one of the things I think that is is really interesting about uh, this piece and what you observe is that um, the way that the language has been uh, taken by the polit- by political forces by advertising forces it's been kind of turned upside down and that. Um, because of this, it's just the word has just been diluted and deluded of all meaning. It, it it means anything you want it to mean at this point. Yeah, that's right. It, it, exactly. I mean, it's like it's like a, a a line of sunglasses or something. And it, I mean, it isn't, but it will be soon. You know, and it, it is it is all over the place in marketing world. There was a corporate infidels that that my researcher found. Um, I forget what the corporate infidels do, but. You know, they're, they're you know there's some kind of uh, corporate rebels, of course. You know, they're they're uh, they're breaking all the rules of the corporation. There's there, there were three different. You, you know it. You remember this is. I mean, this is. There's always this this hunger for for that kind of language. You know, in management theory, for for some new and uh, a more explosive way of describing yourself as as a you know a rebel in the boardroom or something. Uh, there's three different uh, infidel motorcycle uh, clubs that we found, and one of them is 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 made up or was founded by uh, contractors, guys who were contractors in Iraq, and they came home and started the infidels uh, motorcycle club. They have a they have a really uh, that you should see, you should check out their website. It's actually pretty cool. They have pictures of themselves in Iraq and then pictures of themselves back at home, and uh, you know it's a. Uh, it's you know it, it's a whole different way of looking at that war you know <laughs> the eyes of, of of contractors who imagine themselves to be infidels. I, I like that you observe that we our TV motorcycle gang is called after all sons of anarchy, not sons of supervision. <laughs> well, of course, Rick. We love the rebel. The rebel figure is what it's all about. This is oh my god. I've been writing about this since the uh, I mean since the 1990s and since. Uh, did I? I don't know if I ever told you this. My very my first book was called The Conquest of Cool, and it was about how the advertising industry became hip in the 1960s. It's uh, you know, and I had another book that came out at the same time called The Commodification of Dissent, about how you know why it is that everybody wants to be a rebel, everybody wants to be cool, you know, even the most um, you know the, the institutions of, of orthodoxy. Imagine them like you know the, the corporate infidels, or the uh, when I finally did figure out what farm team infidels meant, uh, uh, you know they have a website, of course, the people who have made this this uh, logo, and they they put it on all these different things so you can buy it, and uh, you're supposed to be uh, against people who don't believe in capitalism, and I was really struck by that. So you're an infidel standing up because you stand up to people who don't believe in capitalism. And yet, uh, capitalism, of course, is the bedrock of 
American or orthodoxy. This is what you know America is about. The business of America is business. This is you know, and to think that by standing up for the most orthodox thing in our society, you are somehow an infidel. This is so, you know, this is so American. You're not, you know, a, a son of supervision. You're a rebel <laughs> by standing up for the most conformist thing ever. Well, I, I think we all know that ignorance is strength and war is peace. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, and uh, by the way, another really weird thing that you notice as you and you, I, I hope your listeners will get on the internet and look up some of this stuff. The, the word infidel in this subculture is almost always associated with guns. Mm, of uh, not, not any particular gun. You use rifles, uh, uh, pistols. Uh, you know, machine guns, sniper rifles are especially uh, significant, but it's always associated with guns. You aren't a real infidel, um, you know, just by being, say, you know, a Lutheran or just by believing in capitalism. <laughs> you, you have to be armed. It always ha- it involves it involves being armed and an unconcealed weapon at best. Oh, of course, yeah. And you've got to, you know, you've got to be ready to, you know, take on the jihadis right here in Bethesda, Maryland, or you know, whatever it is. <laughs> Well, now, one of the things I think that, again, uh, strikes me— Oh, you have to drink beer. Yes. (laughs) I qualify in that regard. (laughs) Yeah, I suppose I qualify as an infidel for that as well. Uh, You know, uh, as these things are becoming uh, commodified, as you put it, um, I'm wondering, you know, where—what the next— what the next frontier for commodification is, because we've inverted the the word, meaning of the word infidel. Uh, do you think that it might actually, at some point, return to its original meaning? Well, uh, no, because that's you know that's uh, its original meaning. You see, this is like like many of these of these sort of um, tropes from the nineteenth century. The original meaning is kind of uh, loathsome to us now. the The original meaning of infidel is that you are a bearer of orthodoxy, or you stand with orthodoxy, and you are denouncing the outsider. You know, you're denouncing the uh, the, the the rebel. It, do you remember? There was a song. I, uh, uh, golly, I can't remember it now. But I'm sorry, I'm going nowhere with that one. But but I mean, there was a time when you didn't like rebels in in American culture or in Western culture generally. Rebels were bad. You know, we were for the uh, established order. That's what we stood for. That's what the red, white, and blue was all about, uh, was, was, you know, standing up for the powerful. And somewhere along the line, uh, culturally, you know, the, the power situation never changed, but the power dynamics never changed. But the, the, culturally, the way we imagine power did change. And, um, you know, we always have to understand ourselves as being the Fonzie, you know? We always have to be the rebel. We're always the Travolta uh, figure, you know, um, or the, the 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 rock and roller. We're always the Elvis. Even Enron imagined itself as Elvis. You always have to be a a, a rebel. Uh, power never expresses itself as just you know, I am orthodoxy. Get into line. You know, it did before the 1930s, of course, but it it certainly doesn't anymore. And it would be really. Um, uncomfortable for us to ever go back to that way of thinking about things if we if you know we're denouncing you know instead of saying uh, you know i stand up for capitalism i'm an infidel which you know is 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 risible but also is is deeply meaningful to to these people you know they they think they're there i think about the, the whole idea of political correctness where um you know uh, uh these sort of uh 
people on the fringes of society, you know, uh, people who who do uh, like third world studies and stuff like that, they are they are the politically correct. They control. This is in the imagination of the right. They control the discourse, and just by being ordinary, by being average, you're defying uh, the man. You're standing up against. Uh, orthodoxy against political correctness. So, like by believing in capitalism, you become um, a rebel. You become an infidel. Uh, to, and to flip it would be, you know, to go back to uh, the old way of doing things. Well, I don't think that that's ever going to happen. I mean, it would be it would make everything much more clear. But we live in a marketing world now, Rick. Everything is. You know what the, the next frontier of it is, Rick? What? They need they need to they need to commodify me. <laughs> You know, that's what needs to happen. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm I'm sure you'll be an easy sell, Mr. Frank. <laughs> I've been talking with Thomas Frank, who's asking us to pity the billionaire with the hard time swindle in the unlikely comeback of the right. Thank you for joining us, Thomas. Anytime, Rick. You're listening to the Agony Column News Report featuring interviews, phone interviews, reports from live book events and festivals, and conversations with readers. You can find additional news, interviews, book reviews, and more five days a week at the Agony Column website at trashotroncom agony.